Well, good morning, folks. It's good to be here this morning. It's the second time this year that I've preached about love, but I think you'll find it's a completely different message, and it's also aimed at a different aspect of love. Now, Pastor Adali Pardo arrives with his family uh, on October 2nd. Well, with that, let's go ahead and sing the Lily of the Valley, hymn number 361. Let's all stand. Amen. Please be seated. Thank you very much, orchestra. What is love? Quite frankly, the world knows very little about true love. At best, they seem to concentrate on brotherly love and at worst, on erotic love. In the world, men do not discuss true, biblical, godly love. Doesn't even come up as a topic. Let's pray. Father, I thank you now for the privilege that you have given us to be able to gather together around your word. Lord, I pray that you would use it, bless it, May it take deep root in our hearts. May we truly be able to find the consolation in it that we need. For we pray it in Jesus' holy name. Amen. True love begins with God. And can I say this just as a brief explanation? It gives not gets. It's not looking out for itself. It's not trying to see what it can get out of things. I'll love you, but you have to love me. No, it just gives, doesn't get. John chapter 3, verses 14 to 18, gives us a fairly good definition of the love of God. John 3, verses 14 to 18. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world... God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. God's love is defined as giving. God so loved us that he gave his Son. God didn't say, well, you know, if you... Sinners would just love me a little bit more than I might love you. No? 
while we were yet sinners, he loved us. He didn't love us because of what he could make out of us either. He just loved us. God's love gave. And giving is an integral part of love. Don't tell me that you love someone that you're not willing to sacrifice for them. Love is giving, it's not getting. 1 John, again in 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 to 14, John gives us a definition of love. He says in 1 John 4, 7, Beloved, let us not love one another, excuse me, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him, and he in us, because he hath given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Now, folks, we can easily see the love of God. Many hymns have been written about it. Even secular people um, will talk about the love of God. What a perfect love. It was a love that gave. And it keeps on giving. Even when we don't return any love to him, God still loves us. It's a part of the very definition of love. In 1 Corinthians 13, God defines agape love, his love. It's defined for us in verses 1 to 8. And I want you to notice some of the details of, of the love of God. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not... It's translated, agape here is translated charity. Um, it just simply means love. And have not love, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Without love, none of the things that you may do are worth doing. 
And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not, again, charity, love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, that is, somebody who willingly went with the arrest squad, didn't try to evade them when they took them to, to Rome and uh, hung them on a cross and lit them on fire alive. So Paul says, though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, love, it profiteth me nothing. So what is charity? What is love? Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Some people, they just can't get away from imagining every wrong thing. It's just ingrained into their brain. Their whole thinking process turns inward. Nobody loves me. Nobody cares about me. Nobody's taking care of me. Nobody does what I want. Um, no, love doesn't look inward. It looks to God for an example. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. True love never ceases. God doesn't say, well, I loved you yesterday, but today it's all over. I don't love you anymore. No. You know, think about this for a moment. When did God first know how sinful you would be? Did he know that yesterday? Yes or no? Did God know yesterday how sinful you would be? Yeah. Did God know it the day you were born? Yes or no? Did God know it nine months before you were born? Did God know how sinful you would be the day he created Adam and Eve? Did he know it before he ever created everything? If God knew all along, yet he loved you, 
then his love is not based on something that you have within yourself. And our love can't be based on what the other person does. Because if it's based on what the other person does, then it's not the love of God. God loved us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. And God's love was not based on what you would finally become. God loved you enough to send his son to die in your place on Calvary. Love is shown in serving. It's when we're serving someone that we actually find the basis of love. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. I'll begin at verse 21. Hebrews 10, 21. And having an high priest over the house of God. We have a high priest. Amen. Let us draw near with a true heart. Someone who doesn't want to draw near is because they don't have a true heart. Let us draw near with a true heart of full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. It's built on God, not on us. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love. What's your job? My job is to look around and so is yours. And see who needs a little provoking to love. To know this guy needs to be provoked to love God more. And to good works. Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves, of ourselves together, as the manner of some is. Some people have a custom to just not be faithful to church. That's not love. True love would say, I need to be there because my example is worth something toward my brother in Christ. But exhorting one another, and so much the more as ye see that day approaching. For if we sin willfully, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. You can't just say, well, tomorrow I'll go sacrifice something. And make up for the fact that I'm not loving God like I should. Love is shown in serving. Paul admonishes us to serve one another. To be faithful. To not forsake the assembly of ourselves together. 
to follow the example of God, not the example of man. I don't say, well, so-and-so doesn't love me. Therefore, I've had people come to me, especially in Paraguay, you know, so-and-so gave me the evil eye. Well, what's the evil eye? Um, you know, how is it? I'm not sure. I, I've never figured out what the evil eye is because I guess nobody ever gave me the evil eye. Um, and, I'll, and I'll say, what do you mean by the evil eye? I still don't know. And though they, oftentimes somebody would say to me, well, he, he never greets me. Well, that's funny because he always greets me. Well, that's because, Pastor, you just grab his hand and say good morning and shake his hand. If you just waited like I do, he would never come up to you and shake your hand. Okay. Well, who's supposed to show the initiative? I'm to provoke each, each and every member of the church to love, right? Amen? So if somebody doesn't want to shake your hand, go up and shake their hand and look them in the face and say, good morning, brother. Good morning, sister. I'm so, I'm so glad you showed up to church today. Try it. You might find out that the other person is just bashful. And he's going home and saying, so-and-so doesn't love me. They never shake my hand. You realize evil thinking gets into our head. And it completely twists our way of thinking about things. Instead of saying, who can I love? It says, who loves me? If I were waiting for Elaine to just come up to me at Bob Jones and throw her arms around me and say, please marry me, I'd be unmarried until today. I had to take the initiative. I saw that most beautiful woman in the world and I said, she's going to be my wife. I didn't wait for her to decide that this handsome Jewish boy was going to be her husband. I let her know that I was going to be her husband. And 50 some years later, I know afterwards she's going to tell me, how could you forget how many the sum is? Okay. I know it's past 50 because I remember we celebrated our 50th. But beyond that, I don't remember anymore. I'm just glad that she's still there in the morning when I get up and I go about my work. Okay? Love. It's not dependent on the other person. It's dependent on you. That's true love. True love is shown in giving. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Excuse me, 2 Corinthians 
chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 to 7. And if you have a chance at home, read the whole passage. A tremendous passage. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 to 7. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit the grace of God bestowed, bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. I, I've had people tell me I can't give because I'm too poor. Uh, do you realize it's the other way around? You're too poor because you don't give. Because 10% of $1 is still 10%. And 10% of a million dollars is still 10%. It hurts the rich person proportionately more than it hurts the poor person. But the rich person understands when he gives that to have God's blessing, he has to give. I have had to learn that lesson in my life. You're never too poor. And that idea of I'm impoverished covers every area of a person's life. I'm too poor. I'm too poor to love anybody. I'm too poor to make a friend. I'm too poor to do anything to serve God. For to their power, Paul says, I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. They not only gave 10%, but they went beyond their 10%. Praying us with much entreaty that we should receive the gift. Paul apparently thought, you know, you guys are awful poor. And you're raising money to help the poor saints in Jerusalem. Uh, why don't you just keep your money? He begged them not to give and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did. They, they went ahead anyway. Not as we had hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Insomuch that we desired Titus, that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you this same grace also. This is grace of God. The grace of God causes us to give. I give of myself. Yes, even when it's hard on me, I give of myself. My health isn't that great. But I force myself anyway. My knees hurt like crazy today, but that's all right. I still do a job that God has given me to do. As my cardiologist said to me, it's like marriage. I'm going to be with you till death do us part. Well, with God, it was exactly like marriage. I'm a part of his bride. 
and I'm going to serve him. And not just until death do us part, because with him there is no death. Serving, giving, this is the basis of love. The basis of true love is not what I can get out of it. It's what I can give to it. True love is self-sacrificing. People said to me, surely you're not going to take your family to live in the jungle with cannibals. Oh, yes, I am. And I did. A newborn baby and a three-year-old. And the newborn baby, her first word was not in English. I'm content. I'm happy. True love sacrifices itself. It puts the love of God first. It's not something we add on. The love of God is first. How many times does the Bible say that? Well, go back to Deuteronomy, the fifth book of the Old Testament. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 5. Deuteronomy 6, 5. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. Now, I'm not going to read it, but this is repeated over and over and over again in your Bible. Deuteronomy 7, 9. Deuteronomy 10, 12. I will read Matthew 22, 37 to 40. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. I've been asked by people, how do you put in order, Pastor, what you love? The first place is your wife, right? No. First place is God. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all of it, all thy mind, all thy strength. Everything is to be put into loving God. Amen? So is your wife second? No. Well, who's second? God. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. Well, where does your wife figure on the list? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. God. So do you love your wife? Absolutely. So where does she figure? God told me to love her. 
God said, husbands, love your wives. Amen? If I love God, I'm going to obey him. Amen? So everything really is based on loving God. If you love God, you're going to love your kids. You're going to love your wife. You're going to love your church. I hope you love your pastor too. You're going to love everybody in the church because you love God. And God tells us to do all that. You realize that true love is based on sacrifice. This is the opposite of getting. People, you know, I've had people come to me and they say, Pastor, I don't love my wife anymore. I'm going to divorce her and marry somebody else. I don't love her anymore. Excuse me. Love never faileth. It's eternal, right? We already read that in Jeremiah. An eternal love. So you never loved her if you don't love her anymore. Because true love is eternal. True love for God is based on the kind of love that God has for you. God was willing to die for you in the person of Jesus Christ. You willing to die for him? To serve him? To do his good pleasure? We are actually commanded to sacrifice ourselves. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 10. Romans 12, 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, I beg you, he says, by the mercies of God, because of God's mercy, because of his grace, because of his love, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. No, Lord, I'm not going to serve you. Uh -uh, I've got something better to do. I've got other things that I love more. I beseech you, I beg you, to present your bodies a living sacrifice. You want to know what real love is all about? Holy, acceptable, which is your reasonable service. It's only reasonable. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace that is given me, given unto me, to every man, among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. 
having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given unto us, given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith or ministry, let us wait on our ministering. And that word ministering there means serving or he that teacheth on teaching or he that exhorteth on exhortation or he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness, let love be without dissimulation, no pretending. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another. Yes, my example is not another human being. My example for love in sacrificing is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one that gave all that I might live. Therefore, Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 to 2, Be therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. I only had one secretary in more than 50 years of pastoring. Now the Bible college had some assistants, but for the church, I've only ever had one sec secretary. Her name was Sylvia Viant. Anybody here remember Sylvia? A few. Every day, I came into the office here, and Sylvia was already here. I'd already opened up the office and was waiting for me. She answered the phones. She kept the church books in our earliest years. Um, and she reproved me whenever she felt that I needed it. And she'd chew me out. And one of her refrains, you know, I'd listen to her. I would be in my office. She'd be in the church office. And I would listen to her on, on the phone. Somebody would call. And my, do I wish I had somebody like this today. She'd answer the phone. Well, my wife does it, but um, she's a lot more indirect than Sylvia. Um, Sylvia would answer the phone and some telemarketer would be calling 
And uh, she'd say, what do you want to talk to the pastor for? I'd hear her say that. I couldn't hear what the other person said. And she'd say, you want to interrupt the man of God who's working on his sermon, who's preparing uh, to serve God. You want to interrupt him to try to sell him this widget? No way. He's way too busy for you. <laughs> and she'd hang up on him. Oh, wish I had a secretary like that. My secretary's way too kind. She'll say, so-and-so is calling you. Well, what do they want? I don't know. <laughs> Somebody come here to the church and asking for money. Somebody would call and ask her for money. And she would say, do you know something? We're a poor church. What are you asking us for money for? Um, you ought to be giving us some money. Um, yeah, she was very direct. And with me, she was very direct also. She'd say, Pastor, you're training the people in this church in a bad fashion. We are, we are not a giving church. We're a getting church. Everybody comes to this church because of what they get out of it, not because of what they can give to it. Yeah. Sylvia was never a getting person. And I hope that I'm not a getting person, but a giving person. Because true love is giving. It's not getting. True love is eternal. Jeremiah 31.3. Jeremiah 31.3. The Lord... Jeremiah 31 3. The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. God didn't say, Well, you know, I've loved you, but I don't love you anymore. No. It's an eternal love. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Verses 15 to 17. Therefore, brethren, stand fast. Don't move. Stand fast. And hold the traditions which ye have been taught whether by word or our epistle. Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting 
consolation. It's eternal. It lasts forever. And good hope through grace comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. You know, sometimes I have talked with teens and said, uh, are you giving? You have a job now. Are you giving? Well, no, Pastor, because I, I don't earn that much. Doesn't matter how much. I'm not asking you if you're giving the same amount as I am. I'm asking you, are you giving? Because you're doing nothing else to serve God. We have a nursery. We don't have workers. We have Sunday school classes that we need teachers for. We have one teacher that teaches every single church service. That's not good. We need to start splitting it up. Don't tell me that you're incapable of teaching. We have kids that are learning musical instruments. We don't have anybody to lead the junior orchestra. You say, well, pastor, I've never done that kind of work before. Yeah, maybe you could fit in and learn how to do it. Giving. And it's not just momentary. When I gave my life and said yes to God, it was only because I knew there was a need, a need for someone. Another man and I in seminary, we heard that a church, Bear Creek, Missouri, needed a pastor. And he said, well, I tell you what, you go one Sunday and I'll go the next. And I said, okay, they need a pastor. I'm studying. I can do it. So he went one Sunday and I went the next and the following Sunday, when it was his turn to go again, he said, I'm not going anymore because I don't think it's the will of God. And I said, oh, God changed his mind, huh? By the way, he was one of the professors. And he did nothing on Sundays. I said, oh, God changed his mind, huh? And I said, an unstable man... No, excuse me. How does that verse go about an unstable man? A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And I said that to him, and he said, okay, I guess that's me. And I said, okay. So I started going every Sunday. 
Because I don't think that God changes his mind. Somewhere along the line, we have to understand the love of God. It's an eternal love. And in God's love, he touches our hearts about ways that we can serve him. He will comfort your hearts with that everlasting love and consolation and establish you in every good work, good word and work. 1 Corinthians 13 again. Just a couple of verses out of this. Charity suffereth long, verse 4. And is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own. Real love doesn't say, I'm not getting as much love as I deserve. Real love says, how can I love more? Seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. And if you skip down to verse 13, and now abideth faith, hope, charity, love that is. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Why is love greater than hope and faith? Well, very easily. You see, I believed Elaine when she said, I will marry you. I trusted her, that's hope, that she would follow through on that. And I loved her. But I don't believe her anymore or hope anymore because she married me. All I'm left with now is love. I just love her. Faith and hope are for right now. I have hope that I'm going to heaven. I believe God in God's promise to take me to heaven. But very soon, I will be there with him. I don't need to believe anymore or have trust or hope any longer. But I still have to have love. That's where it all comes down to. Love is eternal. It was eternal before God ever created the world. God is love. It was eternal after God created the world and for all eternity afterward. God is love.
And folks, if that's what we're going to live with for all eternity, we better learn to do that today. Let's pray. Our Father, as I approach you in prayer, I do so asking that you would use your word deeply in each and every one of our hearts and lives. Challenge us today to learn the lesson of love, that we might love, that we would manifest that love not in demanding love of others, but in giving our lives to love each other, to serve, to do your will in each and every way, to sacrifice ourselves that we might love you. Lord, may our love for you grow each and every day until that day that we're home with you for all eternity. I'm going to thank you for what you're going to do in our hearts now. In Jesus' name, amen.